The views and opinions expressed on this show are purely the views and opinions of the person who made them and do not necessarily reflect or agree with those of the show's commercial sponsors, its radio station affiliates, or Internet broadcast platforms. As the restriction on our God-given right to free speech manifests itself throughout the world, we are inspired by Jesus Christ's immortal words, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And we reserve the rights to all our words. Thank you, and now enjoy the show. To learn who rules over you, simply find out who you are not allowed to criticise. You are listening to ACH, I'm Andy, your host, and before we start today's show, I would like to thank George and Barry for their recent donations. They are regular contributors, folks. Every month they set up a little direct debit, so I thank them for their continued support that helps keep this show on the air. Today is Thursday, so of course it's time for the weekly visit of my dear friend, Dr. Peter Hammond. Let's bring him up right now. Peter, are you with me? Yes, um, thank you, Andrew. Thank you so much, Peter. And as usual, folks, uh, I get an email from Peter before the show and he suggests a title, a topic, and I don't think I've ever turned any of them down. Uh, He does fantastic work, um, preparation for the show. And what he's got for us today is entitled The Real Story of How to Resist the New World Disorder. So, Peter, where would you like to start us off today with this topic? Andrew, confronted as we are by the deception in the news media, by the prostitutes in many cases, by distraction and defilement in the entertainment industry, the Hollywood, Bollywood, Nollywood, uh, blasphemy industries, by indoctrination in the education institutions or state indoctrination gulags, being intimidated by politicians and their bureaucratic bullies, and the rise of the thought police and the gay GB and the COVID cult and lockdown lunacy and masquerade madness by the pandemic panic paranoia and propaganda. How are we to respond? We're living in an age of indoctrination. We're living in an age of intimidation. And it's essential that we respond with resistance with a capital R. We need to know what we believe. We need to know why we believe it. We need to know how to defend it in arguments. And we need to fear God. We need to fear God alone and not man. Like Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we must not bow and we must not bend to the idols of this world. Our God, whom we serve, is able to save us, and he will. But even if he does not, we still won't bow to their idols, nor will we serve their agenda. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not allow yourselves to be burdened again with the yoke of slavery. That's the words in Galatians. So, We read in Jeremiah 9 verse 5 that everyone will deceive his neighbor and will not speak the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies and they weary themselves to commit iniquity. I think that describes so much of what we're seeing in the news media, in the entertainment industry, in the so-called educational institutions and political institutions, and sadly in all too many religious institutions too. There is deception, there's compromise, there's cowardice, and it's suiting the agenda. And so we've got to know what the agendas are. And, well, globalists have used wars and economic depressions and recessions and population control to undermine Western Christian civilization to bring about the New World Order, or as you call it, the New World Disorder. And the Islamic invasion, Trojan horse, mass migration to Europe, escalating rights and terrorism, these represent an advanced stage in this anti-Christian agenda. They've been giving us aggressive population control tactics promoting birth control since the 60s and abortion and sterilizations and massive propaganda of overpopulation. And by this, the globalists have dramatically brought down the population of Europeans and Americans. Do you know in 1910, Europeans made up 34% of the world's population, white Europeans, who would be nominally Christian at least at that stage, um, mostly Protestant or Catholic or Orthodox, and 
Christian Europeans made up 34% of the world's population. Today, we are somewhere between 8 and 9% of the world's total population. And so you can see there's been a demographic engineering. And by betraying stable governments in Africa and Asia and South America and bring about economic collapse, a vast movement of refugee populations has been stimulated into Europe and North America and South Africa. Do you know that officially, according to the African diaspora, there are 150 million Africans living outside of Africa today. And that's just staggering. By dramatically decreasing populations of those countries traditionally Christian, such as in Europe and North America and South Africa, and exploding the populations of those who generally are pagan or non-Christian, anti-Christian, the goal has been a dramatic change in demographics and the death of Christian civilization. In 1910, at the World's First Missions Conference, they were looking at the fulfillment of the Great Commission by the year 1960. And so looking just 50 years ahead, the World's First Missions Conference in Edinburgh 1910 concluded that the world was becoming more and more Christian because in 1910, uh, Christians ruled the world. Uh, the superpowers were Protestant countries, America, Germany, Great Britain, uh, Netherlands were all strongly Protestant, Scandinavian countries and so on, uh, or Catholic in the case of, of France and Austria, or uh, Orthodox in the case of Russia. Uh, but Christian nations ruled virtually the entire world with the exception of uh, Japan, who was actually very much trying to follow Western civilization in many different ways, and uh, China, which was very weak at that stage, and Ottoman Empire, which was crumbling. But for those three exceptions, the rest of the world was controlled by Christian nations. And today, it's hard to identify one single country that is expressly Christian. So we've seen a tremendous demographic engineering and constructive chaos, to use the words of Vladimir Lenin, to bring about an undermining of Christian civilization. There's been a sharp decline in the birth rate of Europeans. The average European is having 1.2 children, whereas the average Muslim, for example, is having between six to eight children uh, per family. And the influx of Muslim migrants into Europe, for example, has a goal of bringing about a transformation of Europe into something more like Eurabia. And the goal in all of this is a population more amenable to manipulation and controlled by globalists who, through their massive taxation programs, are redistributing wealth heavily from the people who do the work to the people who will vote uh, for the powers that be, that uh, the powers that should not be. So from America, a mostly a Protestant Christian nation of people from a European background, the promotion of population control methods have suppressed the growth of Protestant Europeans, stimulated a huge influx of immigrants from third world nations, and have brought America to a position where demographics have been radically altered. And to distract and neutralize the Christian church, false doctrines and heresies have been vigorously promoted, and pacifism has been promoted, and a rapture fever obsession with end times prophecies have greatly distracted many Christians. And antinomianism, hostility, to the law of God's gutted the church of the law of the Lord, which is perfect, the law of the Lord, which converts the soul, that leads us to Christ, that we can be justified by faith. Defeatism and escapism has neutralized many churches. You think of how the church in the 19th century was singing songs like onward Christian soldiers, stand up, stand up for Jesus, who is on the Lord's side, Christ shall have dominion from Greenland's icy mountains, send the light. And there's all these triumphant uh, motivational uh, hymns that were get out there and change the world. And uh, uh, today, what do we have? A lot of escapism and defeatism and worldly music and age segregated services and youth groups, which entertain rather than educate. All of this has further undermined the Christian resistance to the new world order. And discernment is at a very low ebb in average Western church today. We've got sensationalism, materialism, idolatrous, elevating of high-profile televangelists and faith healers have sidetracked many believers from fulfilling the Great Commission and being salt and light in society so that most Christians barely notice that secular humanists have hijacked the schools, have continued to send their children to what are effectively anti-Christian brainwashing centers or state indoctrination gulags, as I call them, in many cases, theological seminaries have become infiltrated by liberal theologians who hold to theistic evolution and undermine biblical Christianity and are 
promoting the LGBTQ and the social justice warrior agendas and trying to undermine, it seems, every facet and pillar of Christian civilization. And the result is the undermining of biblical Christianity through many denominations. And it's like a cancer, which works its way through what used to be a healthy body. History testifies how God blessed and used the Christian nations to bless all the families of the nations of the world. And the Protestant nations of Western Europe particularly have a great Christian heritage. And despite violent persecution, Protestants emerge from the fires of persecution to change lives and to make history and to transform nations. And faithful believers contended for the faith, preserved and translated God's word, reformed the church and vigorously proclaimed the word of God to all nations. And Christian civilization achieved the highest levels of productivity and innovation and scientific discoveries and medical advances and missionary outreaches, works of mercy and successfully campaigned to end the slave trade, to set the captives free, to lay foundations for justice through the rule of law and the legacy of faith and freedom throughout Christian Europe and to the ends of the earth was unparalleled in the history of the world. That's a lot of the history of the 19th century, the greatest century of missions, as I call it. But it was not only a great century of Christian advance. The 19th century was a century of astounding inventions, spectacular advances in technology. And many countries experienced dramatic revival and Christian missionaries won whole tribes and nations to Christ in the remotest regions of the world. Christianity came to the beginning of the 20th century on a rising, apparently unstoppable tide. Christianity was gaining momentum, spectacular momentum, as missionaries from Europe were evangelizing and discipling virtually every tribe and nation. And the Protestant faith had become the dominant faith of the most productive, powerful, prosperous nations in both the Northern and Southern hemispheres. And amidst irrepressible optimism, many were openly speaking of the beginning of the biblical millennium on earth. And so nobody in 1910 at the world's first missions conference could have predicted or anticipated the wholesale abandonment of entire nations to communism, to false religions, to heathenism, who would have predicted that the church would retreat from victory to such an extent that they would be questioning the existence of the devil, questioning the existence of hell, redefining marriage to include what God in the Bible has described as a perversion or an abomination. And the Christian era of bold missionary expansion that was winning the world to Christ and discipling nations came to an abrupt halt during the guns of August of 1914, as the great European countries, which had been the heartland of Christendom, the source of most of the world's missionaries, devastated each other's economies, annihilated millions of one another's young people in what has to be recognized the most tragic, senseless conflict in the history of the world. And the sinister bankers, or should we call them banksters, who pulled the strings behind the scenes, who engineered the genocide of Europe, were the same ones who owned many of the companies that made the machine guns and the bullets and the bombs and the shells and the artillery, uh, like, uh, for example, the Rothschilds that destroyed the cream of Europe. There are numerous studies that have shown the role of the Freemason bankers and the politicians like Lord Nathan Rothschild, whose goal was to bring down Christian civilization. Uh, here you can see the conflict of interest where you have someone like Lord Nathan Rothschild who is on the war cabinet, but he's also one of the war profiteers. So he's part of the cabinet that declares war. He's part of the cabinet that agrees to borrow money from his bank, uh, which he runs, and uh, to purchase weapons, uh, including at the, towards the end of the war, they had 5,000 tanks made by Rothschild's factories and huge amounts of bombs. We're talking about hundreds of millions of shells and just the vast amount of, of uh, debt that was incurred by Britain to the Rothschild's to kill other Christians. And of course, the Rothschilds were running the banks of Paris and in Frankfurt and in Vienna and in Rome and in New York. And so uh, on all sides, with the exception of Russia, which did not have a Rothschild bank, uh, the other nations of Europe had Rothschild war profiteer banksters who were not only engineering their countries into war, but indebting those very countries for future generations to paying them for the debts for the weapons that destroyed the cream of Europe so efficiently. Nothing could have stopped the positive onward march of Christianity worldwide except that Christians were persuaded by evil banksters to kill one another so enthusiastically, so efficiently in the First World War. But far more devastating than actual numbers of people killed or crippled or severely injured was the damage done to the spiritual life of Europe. Bear in mind that before 
the First World War, 64% of Europe was in church every Sunday on average. At the beginning of the Second World War, 42% of Europe was in church every Sunday. After the Second World War, it was down to 4 or 5% on average were in church every Sunday. And I know that with my own parents. Uh, my parents who went through the Second World War were secularized as a result, and they said that they couldn't believe in a God because of what had happened, what terrible things Christians had done to one another in Europe during the Second World War. And uh, it's only by God's grace that at the end of their life, my parents came to Christ and, and experienced the salvation because they'd been thoroughly secularized by the European experience in the Second World War. So it wasn't just the secularization of Europe and the breakdown of moral standards, but there was the revolutionary fervor and Marxist communism, which filled the vacuum left by the collapse, the betrayal of the Russian and German and Austrian empires. And into that came the secular, humanist, Marxist, communist agenda, which made the 20th century the worst century of persecution. More Christians have been martyred for their faith in the 20th century than all previous 19th centuries combined. And so looking back, we can discern how secular humanists have systematically hijacked Christian civilization. And their goal, it's a battle for the mind. They are trying to mercilessly hound out of institutions of higher learning um, anyone who believes in intelligent design or, or creation. And instead of education teaching people how to think critically, we now mostly have indoctrination teaching students what to think. And anti-Christian humanists are dominating the entertainment industry over the last century in particular, subverting families, undermining the role of the father, undermining morality at every turn, and particularly insidious have been the spate of this is a true story or based on a true story or inspired by true events rewriting of history and distorting of reality because most people are not reading the history books and haven't spoken to eyewitness of these events but they're taking the words of cocaine sniffing drug addicts blasphemers and perverts like harvey weinstein in hollywood to understand what happened and based on a true story in many ways means the names and the places are true but the facts have been changed to villainize the victims and to victimize the villains and that is the point, to protect the guilty. They've changed the facts. And so many of these Hollywood distortions on history are worse than ignorance. They're disinformation. They're distortion. And so what we need to do is get back into this first battlefield. Karl Marx said the first battlefield is the rewriting of history. And Marx's disciples have been super busy through the educational institutions and the entertainment industry in rewriting history. And the news media what's often be called now the mainstream media or the lamestream media or the prostitutes, they've come to be overwhelmingly dominated by secular humanist prejudice against Christianity. The secular humanist mass media, like the Bolshevik Broadcasting Corporation and the Clinton News Network, they've been consistently ignoring the relentless anti-Christian persecution by communist and Muslim countries. And through selective focus and distortion of reality, the mass media's effectively brainwashed generations of Christians to vote for those who hate Christian values and to idolize those who are the intractable enemies of our faith. Confuse, divide, and conquer. Corrupt and conquer. National suicides. Globalism. The Bible warns us in Revelation 13 of one world government with a one world economic system and a one world interfaith religion. And as the Roman leader Cicero said in 42 BC, a nation can survive its fools, and even the ambitious, but it cannot survive treason from within. An enemy at the gates is less formidable, for he is known. He carries his banners openly, but the traitor moves amongst those within the gate freely. His sly whispers rustling through all the alleys, heard in the very halls of government itself. For the traitor appears not traitor. He speaks in the accents familiar to the victims. He wears their face and their garments. He appeals to the baseness that lies deep in the hearts of all men. He rots the soul of a nation. He works secretly and unknown in the night to undermine the pillars of the city. He infects the body politic so that it can no longer resist. A murderer is less to be feared. We've had prophetic warnings. In 1932, Aldous Huxley published in The Brave New World, he warned of a future state of human slavery where people of carefree lives in a technologically advanced society subdued by drugs and bombarded with endless stimulations and distractions. And well, we can see that. And of course, what George Orwell 
uh, warned us in his um, 1984 book. <laughs> Technological society, big brother watching, thought police, thought crimes, newspeak, and we're seeing all this. And the 20th century idols of atheism, humanism, communism had now become mainstream. So how can we resist? First, we need to know our enemy. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. We need to recognize their tactics. Judges 2 verse 10 says, another generation grew up who knew neither the law nor what he had done. And the German reformer, Professor Martin Luther, warned, I'm much afraid that schools will prove to be wide gates to hell unless they diligently labor and explain the holy scriptures, engraving them in the hearts of youth. I advise no one to place his child where the scriptures do not reign paramount. Every institution in which men are not constantly occupied with the word of God must become corrupt. You cannot trust any government for the molding of the minds of future voters. God commands his people, learn not the ways of the heathen. The control of education must be in the hands of parents. The content of education must be Bible-based. Children do not belong to the state. Children are made in the image of God and entrusted to parents to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And it's absolutely vital that we recognize not only the symptoms of a problem, we see the symptoms all around us. Moral sickness, deception in news media, degenerate entertainment, dishonesty in business, decadence in government. But we need to recognize the root causes. The root causes beneath all of these social diseases are ineffective churches, insipid preaching, irresponsible leaders, a rejection of God's laws, the foundation for families, churches, communities, and nation, neglect of the Bible, prayerlessness, selfishness, confusion, compromise, cowardice. At its very core, the root cause is a lack of love for God, a lack of fear for God. And so how can we resist the new world disorder? In Ephesians 6 verse 13, we hear, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand an evil day and having done all to stand. And what's the very first item mentioned as a part of the whole armor of God, the belt of truth. We need to disconnect from disinformation. The first and most important step of resistance to new world disorder is disconnect from the world's depressing disinformation and distraction. Switch off your TV, disconnect your TV. If possible, take it to the shooting range, cancel the cable subscriptions, refuse to listen to their lies. Psalm 101 verse 7 says, he who works deceit shall not dwell in my house. He who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. That's the Psalm of King David, a man of God's own heart. So disconnect from disinformation. Secondly, determine to defy the defilement. Boycott the blasphemy and delete the defilement. So much of what is called entertainment, particularly from Hollywood, which is a blasphemy industry. It's more like defilement than entertainment. Boycott the blasphemous, delete what defiles, refuse exploitation. It's not entertainment, it's exploitation. Revelation 18 verse 4 says, Come out from among her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. Let's face it, Babylon in so many ways is epitomized by what Hollywood is promoting to twist people's minds and understanding of the past and of the present and of the future. Uh, everything to do with Hollywood is defiling and debased and distracting. And so we must determine to defy the defilement. And then dismiss disinformation. So much of what is called the mainstream media has become the lamestream media, dealing more in deception and disinformation than information. Whenever you see some major news focus, you should look around for the real story that they're trying to distract you from. Far from reporting without fear or favor, this anti-Christian pro-abortion pro-perversion agenda of Sly Magazine, Newspeak, Useless News and World Report, the Communist News Network, the Bolshevik Broadcasting Corporation, the Sunday Crimes, these seem more like propaganda, distraction and deception. Proverbs 30 verse 8 says, remove falsehood and lies far from me. And this brings on up to what Alexander Solzhenitsyn, one of the greatest authors of the 20th century said. Alexander Solzhenitsyn said, the simple step of a courageous individual is not to take part in the lie. The lie has become a pillar of the state. One word of truth outweighs the entire world of lies. You must resolve to live your life with integrity. Let your credo be this, said Alexander Solzhenitsyn. 
let the lie come into the world. Let it even triumph, but not through me, not through me. I refuse to have any part of the lie. I will not repeat the lie. I will not believe the lie. I will not endorse the lie. I will not applaud the lie. I will not have anything to do with the lie. I will invest in truth. And this is the spirit that brought down the Iron Curtain and collapsed the Soviet Union and brought down the Berlin Wall, the resistance of Christians in Eastern Europe. And we can learn a lot from them as we are experiencing this intimidation of the COVID cult and the lockdown lunacy all over the world. Refuse to allow your children to be indoctrinated in state indoctrination gulags. What the world calls indoctrination, what the world calls education, has in all too many cases become nothing more than indoctrination in state indoctrination gulags, which are increasingly brainwashing children, not teaching faith, but teaching fear. Children must play the masquerade rather than actually engage in real learning. And instead of having real education, what they're getting is indoctrination and fear-mongering and propaganda. We read in Colossians 2 verse 8, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. We need to distrust big tech, big pharma, big business, and big government. And they're all in bed together. And they all seem to be pushing this globalist agenda of a one-world government, a one-world economic system, and a one-world interfaith religious system, which Revelation 13 warns us about and calls the beast. The globalist agenda is advancing communist goals, eroding freedoms, centralizing power in big government. And you could write 2 Peter 2 verse 19 across it all. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the slaves of corruption. We need to stand for faith and we need to stand for freedom in a time of apostasy and tyranny. Disconnect from the New World Order indoctrination. Disconnect from New World Order disinformation. Disconnect from New World Order distraction. And disconnect from New World Order defilement. And it is an industry of defilement, distraction, disinformation, and indoctrination. We need to resist censorship. Refuse to take part in their masquerade madness, their lockdown lunacy, and their virus vaccination victimization. Just say no. Instead, we should support decentralization, a free market, and big families. We don't believe in big government. We believe in big families. We need to invest in Bibles. New World Order hates the Bible. That should give us a clue how important it is. We should invest in freedom, in history, in homes, in family, in faith. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Reading is an act of resistance in a landscape of deception. Resistance begins with reading. We need to invest in the mind. Readers make leaders. A reading Christian is a growing Christian. Start a library. Build up your library with excellent Christian books that lay foundations, solid foundations for biblical reformation. Start building on the rock. Uh, many people spend more money on their feet than they do on their mind. They pay more for shoes than they do for books. We should be investing more in our mind than we should in our feet. And so Ephesians 5.15 says, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And one of the greatest acts of resistance you can do is to read. I, I've seen this. You can be in an aircraft, you can be in a train, you can be in a subway or in a bus. And if you've got an open book and you read a book, people around you start looking at you because they might all have their cell phones open or something. There was a time when people would have newspapers. I remember traveling to work downtown and in the a train and I'd have a book and I'd be reading a book and other people would be reading newspapers. And you know, again, newspapers can be fairly shallow, whereas the books can go so much deeper. And newspapers, they, they produce them every day. Of course, you can't do as much research uh, for a newspaper and they've got all those deadlines. But the books, that takes months and years and sometimes lifetimes of research to go into them. And you get so much more truth and so much more benefit from reading books than just reading newspapers. And so, in this age of distraction, where people are just scrolling through the internet and seeing what news feeds Facebook and fake book and fake news has lined up for them, well, get a book. Reading is an act of resistance in the landscape of, of um, distraction. Ephesians 5 tells us to be careful how we live 
don't be unwise, be wise, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And one way is to carry a book with you. When I was going through the army, I always had a book in my side pocket. And when we're sitting at the shooting angel in a queue for this or that or hurry up and wait for whatever it was, I pull out the book and I went through vast amounts of books in my time in the army and the fire brigade. And I must say, so many of those books are still helping guiding me now. They help shape me into the kind of person I am now. So really, the reading of the book can be the making of the man. Rediscover your history. The founder of the modern communist movement, Karl Marx, declared the first battlefield is the rewriting of history. That's what the communist Karl Marx said. We need to resist the cancel culture Marxist revolution who's trying to distort and destroy our Christian heritage. Toppling monuments just reminds us of how important those monuments are. And we need to resist this cancel culture. How? By learning real history. This is a major step to real resistance to the new world disorder. And we need to read books like What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? Or How Christianity Transformed the World. These are great books. Um, what If Jesus Had Never Been Born? was written by James Kennedy, how he documents how everything good in the world is a result of the teachings of Christ, the example of Christ, and the followers of Christ applying them. And uh, uh, Professor Alvin Smith followed this up with an even more scholarly, in-depth look in how Christianity transformed the world. I mean, those are two of the most important books I've ever read, and a great antidote to the guilt manipulation of our time. And I've been led to write Victorious Christians Who Changed the World, to introduce people to biographies. And so uh, this is just a, it's a 380 page book, but it's got in there 32 biographies of uh, great people going from the second century through to the 20th century, just learning world history through stories, life stories, uh, well illustrated. And then I started a series of books for inspiration, like the greatest century of reformation, 16 biographies and the 16 greatest reformers of the 16th century and the greatest century of missions. 19 biographies of 19 great missionaries of the 19th century and sketches from South African history. And uh, these are just some of the history books I've done. And there's so many great biographies on great people, whether you're talking about William Wilberforce or Hudson Taylor, C.T. Studd, David Livingston, Mary Slessor. We need to read biographies of those who built up Christian civilization. Why read from those who are breaking everything down? We want to read those who built up Christian civilization. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 11 says, now, these things happen to them as examples and are written down for our admonition. We need to rediscover history. We need to read and we need to resist the new world disorder by home education. Instead of big government, we need to support big families. Respond to revolution with resistance and reformation. And instead of subjecting your children to the world's indoctrination, I mean, why would you send your kids to the Philistines? Invest in your children and your grandchildren through home education. Uh, my wife and I count two of the best decisions we ever made uh, were no TV in a home and home educate our children. And I must say, of all the decisions we've made in our 32 years of marriage, uh, those are two of the most influential and helpful. No TV and we home educated our children. And it's it's been a phenomenal blessing to this day. And now seeing three of our grandchildren uh, being home educated, and it's, it's just magnificent. Supporting Christian home-based education curriculums is one of the most important strategic influential steps for faith and freedom anyone can possibly take. One of the most important commandments in the Bible comes in Deuteronomy chapter 6, after the re-giving of the law of God, which is what Deuteronomy means, the second giving of the law. And we read, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. When you rise up, when you go down, when you walk along the way, you shall put these words on frontlets uh, before your eyes. You shall uh, tie them to your wrist. You shall put them on your doors and on your door frames and on your gates. And so everything that we do in our property, from our gates, within our home, uh, should be governed by the law of God. Everything we do with our hand or think with our mind is to be governed by the word of God. And we to teach our children the law of God and the word of God morning, noon, night. And uh, this is one of the most important commands in the scripture, to teach God's word to the next generation, to bring them up in the nurture and the love and admonition of the Lord. Traditional families are real resistance to revolution. If you really want to be into resistance, 
go for traditional family. That is about the most revolutionary thing you can do. Just as George Orwell said, to tell the truth in an age of universal deceit is a revolutionary act. And that's true. And while attacking the family and undermining the family and provoking perversion, and when the thought police and the KGB are out there in force, you've got to know that to build a traditional family of a father who is a provider, a protector, and a guide who cares for his family spiritually, physically, in every practical way, mentally, educationally, and a mother who's a nurturer and a homemaker and raising next generation. I mean, this is resistance indeed. And so in this age of secular humanist, Marxist, anti-Christian revolution and the promotion of perversion, one of the most effective, long-lasting acts of resistance is to get married to a God-fearing spouse and to have lots of children. Investing in future generations by reforming your family and raising up a new generation in the love and the fear of God, this will have a long-lasting, this will have eternal consequences, actually. Deuteronomy 7 verse 9 says, Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, he is the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commands. And it's intriguing to see how the New World Order hates traditional families. In fact, uh, I've seen on some of these leftist sites where they've posted a picture of a white family where you've got a husband and wife and a whole lot of uh, blonde white children. And uh, it says, this is what domestic terrorism looks like. And, you know, uh, uh, you know this is an abomination, you know, more racist in the world. And, and think about that, where, where they have a picture of uh, a family a uh, couple holding a little baby in their arms, but because the white baby, you've got hate and uh, venom being spewed out about. So apparently having traditional families and loving your wife and having children is an act of resistance and the new world order hates it. And we know that God loves it. And the scripture says, God seeks godly offspring. In fact, that's one of the first reasons for the dominion mandate to be fruitful, and multiply and to fill the earth. We need to resist the New World Order by supporting alternative news media. Refuse to be deceived. Refuse to be distracted by the disinformation industry of the New World Disorder. Support alternative Christian media, podcasts, websites, mailing lists, social media platforms. Those that stand for faith and freedom. Those that have courage. Those that are willing to speak the truth and resist and expose the lies. Proverbs 15 verse 14 says, The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge. But the mouth of fools feeds on foolishness. And when you look at what's in the mainstream, lamestream media, that's a lot of foolishness. But there's a lot of knowledge and wisdom and understanding in the alternative media, and we need to support it and encourage others to support it. We need to support excellence in entertainment. Instead of allowing ourselves to be defiled by the exploitative Hollywood blasphemy industry, we should find and support excellence in art, excellence in entertainment. There are some Dedicated Christian filmmakers, musicians, and artists of integrity, we support them. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. One of the most practical acts of resistance that anyone can take against the New World Order is either join a Bible study and prayer group or start one. Small Bible study and prayer groups committed to working through every book of the Bible and discussing our best to apply these biblical principles to every area of life. These lay solid foundations for back to the Bible reformation and for spiritual revival. Can you start a Bible study or prayer and action group in your home or in your congregation or at your workplace or at your school or college? That's how our mission began. I started Bible study and prayer fellowship in my National Service in the South African Army, and throughout the two years we met every night, unless we were on night uh, maneuvers or, or uh, in the field not able to, but uh, on virtually every night of our two years in the military, we met for Bible study and prayer. And out of that grew the Mission of Frontline Fellowship, which next year will celebrate 40 years. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. More and more Bible study, prayer, and action groups multiplying around the world. During this time of lockdown lunacy, when so many churches have compromised and been cowardly and accepted the government's verdict that they are irrelevant and non-essential, and they shut down, well, the solution is home cells. That's what happened in China. It happened in Russia. 
when there's times of persecution, home churches take the place of many of the big churches at the corner that have been shut down by the powers that should not be. We should learn from Christian history. Jeremiah 6 says, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where the good ways and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. Also, I've set watchmen over you saying, listen to the sound of the trumpet. And this program, Andrew, is one of those trumpets that call people back to the old ways in which make a stand and learn from history. We need to expose and oppose deceit and deception and decadence. Ephesians 5.11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. In Ezekiel 22, verse 30, we read, So I sought for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so that I should not have to destroy it. Are you willing to stand in the gap to make a difference, to do what needs to be done? Well, there's a lot that we can do. We need to start to join a Bible study, prayer and action group. We need to fear God alone. We need to be freed from the fear of man. We need to disconnect from the world's indoctrination and disinformation. We should be investing in discipleship and mentorship. We need. There's always people who know more than us that we can learn from. There's always people who know less than us that we can teach. So we should be continually learning and we should be continually teaching. Make Christ's great commission your supreme ambition. Stand up for Jesus. Step out in faith. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Fight the good fight of faith. Invest in home education. Support alternative news media. Invest in future generations by raising up a new generation who will love and fear God. You are the salt of earth. You are the light of the world. You are to be the light and let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And bear in mind also, victory is assured. You can turn to the last book in the Bible and it's clear. As 1 Corinthians 15 says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you so much, Peter. And um, in my second book, I've only uh, written two books, but the very last thing that I wrote, or I didn't write, I put in the book was Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge I will also reject thee that thou shalt be no priest to me seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God I will also forget thy children and this is why as Peter said they came for Christianity first they came for our faith first they needed to destroy that first before they could introduce everything else because they needed to remove the protection that we had over a hundred years ago the protection that God was giving us that our faith enabled that's probably the wrong word but that is is the way that I feel about it Peter your comments on that yes it is vital uh that we let our faith stand strong. We've got to stand up. We've got to speak out. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. So that's the first thing. This is an information war. And that's why programs like this that stand for the truth, that expose the lies, are absolutely vital. We must stand for the truth. And we need to read. We've got to learn. Uh, because the enemy's biggest weapon in many ways is our ignorance. And that leads to gullibility. And you can easily guilt manipulate people who don't know, who don't uh, know their history and and that's what you can see the BLM movement Black Lives Matter and other groups they're out there exploiting people's ignorance to guilt manipulate and to get away with crimes and looting and outrageous crimes so uh, yes my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge that is a verse that we need to continually remember and let us not be destroyed from lack of knowledge that's why it's vital that we learn and that we know and that we read and that we listen and that uh, we continually involved in stretching our mind and widening our vision so that we understand. And the better we understand our history and understand current events, the better we can resist the New World Order. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. And I'm going to go through a couple of bits that uh, I cover regularly on, on the shows because they're so important. Uh, but I'd like to get Peter's comments on them. Um, let's go through them one at a time. This is from 1492. With the Jews facing increasing unpopularity in Spain due to their usurious practices, they are told by the king of Spain to become Christians or face expulsion. Chemor, the chief rabbi of Spain, wrote to the Grand Sanhedrin, which had its seat in Constantinople, for advice on what to do. 
His reply, which can be found on pages 156 to 157 of the book La Silva Curiosa by Julio Inigues de Medrano, published Paris Ori 1608, was found in the archives of Toledo by the Hermit of Salamanca, amongst the ancient records of the kingdoms of Spain. And I, I'm going to quote this reply that um, the Grand Sanhedrin wrote to the chief rabbi of Spain. Here we go. Beloved brethren in Moses, sorry, excuse me. Beloved brethren in Moses, we have received your letter in which you tell us of the anxieties and misfortunes which you are enduring. We are pierced by as great pain to hear it as yourselves. The advice of the grand satraps and rabbis is the following. 1. As for what you say, that the king of Spain obliges you to become Christian, do it, since you cannot do otherwise. 2. As for what you say, about the command to despoil you of your property, make your sons merchants that they may despoil, little by little, the Christians of theirs. 3. As for what you say, about making attempts on your lives, Make your sons doctors and apothecaries, that they may take away Christians' lives. 4. As for what you say of their destroying your synagogues, make your sons canons and clerics, in order that they may destroy their churches. 5. As for the many other vexations you complain of, arrange that your sons become advocates and lawyers, and see that they always mix in affairs of state, that by putting Christians under your yoke, you may dominate the world and be avenged on them. And six, do not swerve from this order that we give you, because you will find by experience that, humiliated as you are, you will reach the actuality of power. Signed, Prince of the Jews of Constantinople, that was 1492, which is, of course, over 500 years ago. And I want to go back to point three, because they say the term apothecaries. I'm going to replace that with pharmacists, pharmaceutical companies, because that's what apothecary means. So, as for what you say about making attempts on your lives, make your sons doctors and pharmaceuticals, uh, pharmacies, pharmacists so that they may take away Christians' lives. Well, we can see with this rollout of this vaccine um, what this is doing to people. Uh, Their own official figures, when you go from the VAERS data in the UK, the MHRA data, sorry, the VAERS data in the USA, the MHRA data in the UK. Now, I've seen, as you know, I listen to lots and lots of alternative media shows. I've heard other shows, they've quoted a great list of Uh, Jews involved in pharmaceutical companies that I've not been able to to verify as yet. But what I can tell you is I know that Albert Buller, the CEO of Pfizer, lit the Hanukkah candles at the Washington Embassy last year. And the Pfizer vaccine is probably the most widely known and widely used, I think, worldwide. In the UK, the AstraZeneca is the most used, but I think the Pfizer's probably the one, Pfizer's the one that's most widely rolled out. And then you're hearing this 500 years ago that they're being told to become pharmacists so they can take away Christians' lives. So, Peter, back to you for your comments on that uh, letter. Mm. Well, um, it's absolutely staggering how many dictators and uh, abusers of politics are lawyers, just for example. So just think of some of the more famous lawyers in the 20th century. Uh, People like Gorbachev, uh, Bill and Hillary Clinton, uh, Barack Hussein Obama, Nelson Mandela, Oliver Tambo, uh, (laughs) Robert Mugabe. So there's a whole line of of Marxists and dictators and wannabe dictators uh, who had legal background. And I, th- I think we've known that and very few people trust lawyers. And as it's often said, uh, 95% of lawyers give the rest a bad name. Uh, but now, more recently, we're seeing how medical dictatorship is so serious. Now, over the years, when you put down politicians and lawyers, they were very low down the list of, of um, credibility that uh, people wouldn't trust people from uh, politics and, and so on, or even lawyers much. Uh, but uh, medical doctors normally were qu- pretty high up and pharmacists as well. But in the last 18 months, that would have plummeted because right now, as we can see the medical dictatorship, how we are losing our freedoms, even our religious freedoms, our freedom of speech, opinion, conscience, the movement, all of these freedoms are being massively eroded in the name of medical dictatorship with 
uh, creeps like uh, Anthony Fauci um, being able to push on us, not only the masquerade and the lockdown lunacy, but a whole lot worse. And look what's come out now, what we were being deplatformed for and having a banned as fake news and so on last year is now mainstream and accepted, acknowledged fact, uh, thanks to Senator Rand Paul and others who have uh, brought these documents to the fore. So now we know that the COVID-19 uh, virus was man-made in a laboratory in China, in Wuhan, and that it was funded by US taxpayers. And Anthony Fauci authorized the funding of this research to produce this man-made virus, which has been the pretext for locking down so much of the world's economy, destroying so many businesses, and we're talking about closing more churches than even Mao Zedong or Stalin managed to close combined. So uh, there's no doubt that the pharmacy industry has been highly uh, infiltrated and taken over. And bear in mind also that at one time, uh, pharmaceuticals were, were primarily in terms of natural healthy remedies and lifestyle choices and what you ate and drank and exercise and so on. But in the 20th century, it got highly uh, hijacked uh, to the point where uh, it was now very much all chemicals and uh, uh, products that came out of um, uh, especially petroleum byproducts and so on. And the, the toxins that are being promoted in the name of healthcare, uh, which is actually dishonest because a lot of what pharmacy is today, we're talking about big pharma now, uh, a lot of what there are today is not about healthcare, it's about sick care. And healthcare is healthy living, healthy eating, healthy exercise. That's healthcare. Uh, but what they, the drug industry is uh, dealing with is actually sick care. But how they turn the terms, just like Robespierre's uh, KGB that uh, had the people guillotined in the French Revolution was called the Committee for Public Safety. And the KGB of the Soviet Bolshevik Revolution, that was uh, the Department of Homeland Security. And they have these nice innocuous names for things that are actually quite um, horrific. And yes, today, big pharma, big tech, big business, big governments, the big banks, they're all in bed with one another and all controlled by the synagogue of Satan who hate Christ, hate his people, who love blasphemy and perversion and who want to destroy the very host which has given them their wealth. The, the hatred for Western Christian civilization, for the Protestant faith in particular, is, is actually diabolical. It's absolutely demonic. You can see that hatred. And so right now we should be seriously concerned about what big pharma is doing. And I'm sure that almost all of our listeners are well aware of it. But if anyone is not, let's encourage them to go to America's Frontline Doctors, uh, to go to Children's Health Defense website, and you will see uh, the truth about vaccines. I've watched nine of the 10 programs of the video documentary series of the truth about vaccines, which is absolutely staggering. But what they expose about this unbelievable erosion of health, as is well documented by the truth about vaccines and also Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and his Children's Health Defense, they document that our societies today are the least healthy they've ever been in history. And that big pharma's got a huge amount to do with that. And that the drugging of people, that's not healthcare. That doesn't make people healthier. And you just think of the oncology industry and the chemotherapy and radiation, so many toxic, highly dangerous diseases, and how they are continually, um, where the, the cure seems worse than the disease. And the side effects of many of these things are horrific. You just need to look at, for example, this present vaccine, so-called vaccine, this DNA altering, uh, untried, untested medical toxin that they're wanting to pump into people's veins. How many people have died and been injured for it? Even according to government's own various websites, it's it's shocking. We talk about thousands have died, hundreds of thousands have been injured, and that's officially. That's in fact on the ground it seems to be worse, but that's what's on the government websites about the adverse reactions to vaccines. So we can see that there is a correlation between the globalist agenda, the big tech companies, the big bankers, the big business, the big governments, the big pharma, and many of the same people pulling the strings behind each of these. And bear in mind also the scripture warns of the uh, pharmacia, uh, which is for, for pharmaceuticals, 
Um, it's in fact a term used in the Greek that's also used for occult. And so sadly, uh, and it's, it's used in the book of Revelation in a very negative sense. So this, this farmer uh, or um, pharmaceuticals, in many cases in the Bible, it's, it's indistinguishable from occultic practices. And you can look at a lot of what's going on today. It's, much of it has nothing to do with science and even less to do with health. And it's more to do with keeping people dependent on drugs, which actually undermines people's health all around. We've never had more people on chronic medication. We've never had more people on uh, the drugs of the pharmaceutical companies. And people have never been more unhealthy. And you can see it in so many different ways. And at this stage, with the lockdown, with a, a mask depriving of basic fresh air, which is about as basic a need for for health as you can possibly get. Um, and then they want you to have this DNA-altering vaccine, so-called, pumped into your veins. Uh, there's a lot of good reasons for us to see that, in fact, the pharmaceutical industry has been hijacked and the medical industry is heavily eroded and is, in most cases, controlled now. We are grateful for the tens of thousands of principal doctors and nurses and pharmacists who are making a stand and resisting, as we can see with the frontline doctors and the Netherlands is 49,000 doctors and nurses and pharmacists who are resisting the vaccine and the lockdown and, and the doctors for truth. So we know there's resistance, but the mainstream is controlled by a synagogue of Satan where they're in league, not only with a big tech and big business and big governments and the big banks, but I think in league with hell as well. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. And it's interesting because I've, you know, you develop over time and this is why cancel culture is so unacceptable because some people's opinions five ten years ago may be different than they are today we're on a learning curve i can't tell you how many bosses that i've had in my time that say i'm learning every day how about hosts you hear well we learn new things every day and they can change our perspective mm. but if you say something a few years ago that they can use against you they will use that against you and i'll give you an example um it's only recently when i just re read that letter you know, that's instructing Jews to do all these horrible things, then you do have to look out if you see someone in the public eye that you've got questions about and you are going to ask that question, are they Jewish? But at the same time, in the book of John, chapter 8, where Jesus Christ calls out the Jews, if you then look at the book of Revelation, it's not about the Jews again, it's about the synagogue of Satan, as Peter said in, in Revelation 2, 9 and 3, 9. So the synagogue of Satan, although it's got the word synagogue in there, you think, well, that's where Jews go to, to worship. Well, how about Jews like um, Stephen Yana Banoon of Israeli News Live, who do a good show, and one show, uh, I think last year sometime, they had my book on display and they were reading from it, the synagogue of Satan updated, expanded, and uncensored. So they were exposing the synagogue of Satan. And equally, all these other people that you look at that say, bless Israel or God will not bless us. I'm talking about the Christian Zionists, the people who've fallen for the Schofield Bible, Judeo-Christians. And then how about atheists out there that are just quite happy to, you know, people like Tony Blair, for example, who has done a lot of work for Israel, supposed to be some sort of Middle East peace envoy, but he always seems to fall on the side of Israel for some reason. You know, he doesn't appear to be Jewish and he doesn't appear... Uh, from his actions to be Christian, if you look at his history and the, the wars he got us involved in and things like that. But I would say he's part of this group, the Synagogue of Satan. He's, you know, rallying round, uh, come back into the media recently, you know, aggressively promoting the vaccine and stuff like that. So the Synagogue of Satan is not necessarily a racial thing. Um, it's a group of people that have come together. And it could be predominantly one way or it could be predominantly another, but it's certainly a group of people that have come together that I want to describe to you now. Um, we're just going to run over slightly and then I'll hand back to Peter and then we'll wrap it up. And you think about whether this would fit in with the synagogue of Satan. And I'm going to go back to 1776. This is 245 years ago. So hear what I'm going to read to you and see... Have a think about, this was 245 years ago and they put this in place then. And that might give you an idea of why they wield so much power now and why they're now rolling out, rolling out the end game. It's taken quite a while to get it, 245 years. But this is what they put together. 
Adam Weishaupt officially completes his organisation of the Illuminati on May the 1st, 1776. Sorry. The purpose of the Illuminati is to divide the non-Jews through political, economic, social and religious means. The plan is for the opposing sides of the Goyim to be armed whilst incidents are to be provided in order for them to fight amongst themselves, destroy national governments, destroy religious institutions and eventually destroy each other. Weisopt soon infiltrates the Continental Order of Freemasons with this Illuminati doctrine and establishes lodges of the Grand Orient to be their secret headquarters. This is all under the orders and finance of Mayor Amschel Rothschild. He was the first one, folks, who changed his name from Bauer. And the concept subsequently spreads into Masonic lodges worldwide to the present day. Weisopt also recruits 2,000 paid followers, including the most intelligent men in the fields of arts and letters, education, science, finance and industry. They are instructed to, following the, to follow the following methods in order to control people. Now, these are four methods, folks, and I repeat again, 245 years ago, these 2,000 paid followers were sent out to, to, to achieve this. One use monetary and sex bribery to obtain control of men already in high places in the various levels of all governments and other fields of endeavour. Once influential persons have fallen for the lies, deceits and temptations of the Illuminati, they are to be held in bondage by application of political and other forms of blackmail, threats of financial ruin, public exposure and fiscal harm, even death to themselves and members of their families. Two, the faculties of colleges and universities are to cultivate students possessing exceptional mental ability, as well as belonging to well-bred families with international leanings, and recommend them for special training in internationalism, or rather the notion that only a one-world government can put an end to the recurring wars and strife. Such training is to be provided by granting scholarships to those selected by the Illuminati. 3. All influential people trapped into coming under the control of the Illuminati, plus the students who have been specifically, specially rather educated and trained, are to be used as agents and placed behind the scenes of all governments as experts and specialists. This is to ensure they advise the top executives to adopt policies which in the long run serve the secret plans of the Illuminati One World Conspiracy and bring about the destruction of the governments and religions they are elected or appointed to serve. And finally, four, to obtain absolute control of the press, at that time the only mass communications media which distributed information to the public so that all news and information could be slanted in order to make the masses believe that a One World Government is the only solution to the world's many and varied problems. So, I mean, it, it, this is what we're seeing today. This vast control, it's, it's here. They believe they've got enough. They believe they've got enough worldwide. And this is why I think they're rolling out the COVID op. op. Peter, back to you for your final comments, please. Yes, you can just recognise so many of what was predicted so many years ago and uh, what the game plan was. And we can see it being done today. But just think of what Jeffrey Epstein was involved in in his paedophile island and bringing so many key leaders in business and politics and justice all over. And it explains why so many leaders aren't doing what they should do and are involved in what looks like treasonous activities. Many of them are cowards. Uh, uh, many of them have been bought out. Many of them are now bribed and blackmailed and threatened and uh, fearing exposure of their uh, wickedness that was documented and filmed by Jeffrey Epstein uh, on his paedophile island where he enticed so many of the key world figures. And so I think the scandals of Weinstein and Epstein are just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more beneath the surface. And when we realize the hidden hand that's been uh, maneuvering so much, it explains why the 20th century was such a catastrophe, why it was the worst century of Christian persecution, why we lost so many freedoms in the 20th century. We need to learn from our history. We need to understand what's behind. The scripture tells us we need to understand the times to know what God's people should do. And we also told, should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Therefore, the wrath of the Lord is upon you. That's in 2 Chronicles 19 verse 2. We should never help the wicked. We should never love those who hate the Lord. That just brings God's judgment upon us. And as Alexander Solzhenitsyn said, do not take part in a lie. Refuse to take part in a lie. Do not repeat the lies. Do not in any way endorse it. Don't applaud it. Uh, whatever you do, live a life of integrity and of courage to refuse to take part in a lie. And we know there's so many lies out there. 
And I'm afraid some of our friends know too, and they still repeat many of the lies to do with the mask and to do with the vaccine, to do with so many other things, and in history, so-called, because they don't want to appear to be um, extreme or whatever the, the different uh, bigoted stands are going to be put on them labels. And so many people are intimidated uh, into compromising and uh, doing the bidding of the New World Order globalists. But as the scripture makes clear in Revelation 13, if we accept the mark of the beast, um, there's the wrath of God that will be poured out upon those people. We must align ourselves with Christ and with the truth, and he is the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to Father except through him. Back to Andrew. Thank you so much, Peter. And before we go, could you please let the audience know where they can find your work and how they can contact you? Thank you. My email is peter at frontline.org.za. Peter uh, at frontline.org.za. And our mission email address is www.frontlinemissionsa.org. So it's frontlinemissionsa, SA short for South Africa. So frontlinemissionsa.org, that's the website. And you can email me at peter at frontline.org.za. Thanks so much, Andrew. And of course, we're on social media. Um, anyone who's still on Facebook, uh, you can find me there too. Thank you so much, Peter. Fantastic information as always. You have been listening to the real story of how to resist the new world order. Peter and I will be back with you at the same time next week. I'll be back with you all tomorrow. And until then, folks, thanks for listening. Have a wonderful day and bye for now.